1: This podcast is brought to you by ChemPower, the reliable, quick, and scalable EV charging solutions for everyone and everywhere, and StarCharge, the largest EV charging manufacturer in the world and is also a provider of residential and commercial battery storage. Hello and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm your host, Francie, and here we cover all things electric vehicle and EV adjacent. As I like to say, sometimes it's chill news, exciting news, and sometimes it's very much not chill news, including today's story of an EV charging station catching fire. And why? Well, I'm not really sure. I've brought on our friend Brandon Flash, who is an EV charging expert, onto the podcast to investigate and chat about the situation. So hello, Brandon. Thank you for joining me. Welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, you know a good bit about this stuff. You are a technical guy. So I thought um, we'd bring you on. You know, we've actually been covering a lot of extreme cold weather stories and topics on the Outer Spec channels this week with the extreme ex- intense cold front across the US. But now we're kind of pivoting to something a lot hotter, but both of which scenarios can lead to j- dangerous or unnerving situations, right? So as far as we can tell, there were sparks flying fire and smoke at a Tesla supercharger location location as recently as yesterday, and I believe it was at the Oak Ridge Mall Supercharger Station in San Jose, California, what I believe is called the Westfield Oak Ridge Station. There were videos taken from Snapchat that I'll pull up now that were reposted on Twitter, aka X, by OMG Tesla, and no worries, we will have links to all these posts. And as far as I can see, this site will be... I mean, I don't really even know. There's uh, not so much coverage on this site. Maybe it'll be out of service. I would guess so. Of course, I'm going to ask you about that, which seems like it would be obvious. But I've gathered uh, some information that I can find no, online, no news stories, but some plug share check-ins, but actually at the level two part of the site, because there's actually two postings for this site on PlugShare, one for the supercharging, the DC fast charging, and another for the level two charging. But from what I can tell and what you can tell, Brandon, Where did this, where did it spark? Where, where are these photos, you know, that we're looking at coming from? Like, where's the smoke coming from?
2: Yes. So I think it's important to kind of set the stage of how a DC fast charger or general charging site, at least at scale is set up. So you have the utility transformer. That's where the power is coming into the site. It's taking that high voltage AC distribution, usually 12 KV, 34 KV, Whatever the local distribution voltage is, it varies depending on the region. And then that's stepping it down to, for the case of DC fast charging installations, generally a 480, 277 three three-phase AC power that's coming into the site. That power then goes from the transformer on what's called the secondary side, because it's the secondary voltage of the transformer, into your switchgear, your distribution cabinet. And then you have a main circuit breaker in there. You have... Uh, branch circuit breakers, and then that's what's going out to the chargers. So the main circuit breaker, that's for your whole site. So if you have, if you're picturing your house, that would be like your 100, 200, 300, 400 amp main breaker at the top, the big switch, but times 10 or 20 for a site like this. And then you have your branch circuit. So that's like your little breakers for your outlets in your house. But again, at scale of a hundred times and what we saw here is that there were sparks coming from that AC, that AC distribution cabinet. Uh, looked like it was coming on the back side. It was a little hard to tell. And this site actually has two of those distribution cabinets, given the scale. Um, so many sites will have one. And you can see kind of arc flash. It's really hard to tell exactly what's going on. But it looks like something shorted out. You're getting that arc flash. It's impressive that they caught it unless it kept arcing because normally you would just get kind of one boom and then that would be it unless it kept making contact and kept sparking. So it's hard to say exactly what happened, but maybe something worked its way loose Um, with thermal expansion and contraction. You can have things that work loose over time. And a lot of times those uh, incoming connections are coming in from the bottom and then they're just clamped. In theory, those should never come undone, but you would have gravity working against you if they did get loose, and then you could potentially have an arc event where those had a short circuit, it arcs, or it could be a fault upstream. It's really hard to say exactly what went on there, but you do have a lot of different layers of protection happening there. So the chargers themselves have multiple layers of protection. I don't know about supercharger cabinets specifically, but most chargers have breakers internally. They have fuses internally that if there's a short in the charger itself, it will either blow the fuse, uh, pop the breaker, um, whatever the case may be. You then have uh, the conductors, of course, that if you had a really bad uh, event, those would essentially act as a giant fuse. If that's happening, you're having a very bad day because the breakers should be protecting the conductors. Uh, But then you have the breaker in the distribution cabinet, as mentioned, the branch circuit. That could trip, and if that doesn't trip, you could have the main breaker trip, and if that doesn't trip, you typically have fuses on the utility side in the transformer. So there's multiple layers of protection in here, so it's actually pretty impressive that it actually put on such a spark and smoke show.
1: Right, so... uh I mean, it's a very intricate thing. It, I mean, it even reminds me of the biology I studied and all the checks and balances that our cells have when they're replicating. Like, so many things go on so that no mistakes are made. And you're thinking, of course, utilities, electric, you know, we have so many checks in place for the safety of people so that everything functions correctly. So in general, I mean, one, you listed out all the things that are here to stop this kind of reaction from happening, but how common is? is this kind of event in general at EV chargers? Do you know?
2: Extremely uncommon. I mean, okay, it, it certainly can happen that you could have some sort of fault that could pop a breaker or could uh, pop a main circuit or maybe even pop the fuse in the transformer, but you wouldn't really hear about that. You would have, I mean, the site would be down, of course, if you popped it at the site level, which would be the fuses in the transformer or the um, main circuit breaker but if you pop just the um, breaker for one of the chargers it would just be that charger down and realistically a charger could be down for a variety of different reasons you probably wouldn't even realize that it's because it's not getting power Um, and it could even be something that someone turned it off purposefully if you're seeing a charger that's down it could be locked out tagged out it could just be turned off lots of reasons so it's pretty unlikely that you would actually witness something that would happen like this usually it would just be it happened that's it and there's almost never an event like this with sparks and flames and what have you
1: Right. I was looking into it when I was seeing, you know, there's been a lot of coverage of EVs freezing, but not of this EV charger and, you know, these sparks flying. But I did see back um, a couple of years ago when a station caught fire, when a gas-powered car driven by a drunk driver crashed into a charging station, which is obviously very different from, hap- from what happened here. That was an external cause. And this seems more of like an internal issue. So... for this case, you actually responded with what you think might've happened. And so I'd love to just kind of understand that because of course you're not sure we, we aren't there diagnosing the issue, but you said, looks like what?
2: This is all speculation.
1: Exactly. All speculation. We don't have anything, but we'd like to break down, you know, what is possible here? What can we gather here? And then, you know, also I think stress that this is very uncommon. Um, But you said, looks like there was a short or something in the electrical distribution cabinet, not the supercharger cabinet. And you can see in one of the responses that the utility had the transformer doors open to cut power completely. So is that, I mean, do you have anything to elaborate on here? Have you learned anything else since your first, you know, kind of speculation about what happened?
2: Not really. Um, I'd stick with my first take there. But I think if we go into the responses on the original tweet from OMG Tesla, um, you can probably see the photo that I'm referencing that you can see the, yep, this one here. So if you look at the left side of this photo, you can see the guy in the um, safety vest or safety shirt, whatever. And then you can see those three lugs. So that's inside of the secondary side of the transformer. So that's where the power is coming off of. And you can also see the um, insulated tool there leaning against the transformer kind of hanging off the top there. So that's what they would use to actually break those connections inside the transformer, and disconnect power from the site completely to make it safe and isolate the site. So it seems like the response was pretty quick. There was fire trucks in some of the photos, and then there were some utility crews there also equally fast. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally first responders can work pretty quickly with utilities to get emergency response because in order for the fire department, whatever, if there was a person, hopefully there wasn't, um that was involved they have to make the scene safe before they can do anything because if you try to save someone that's contacting anything like that you're just going to get injured yourself so it's very important in the in an event like this or even at lower scale that you first have to make the entire scene safe before you can do anything else
1: Right. So that's interesting because, like, who do you call? 911, obviously, fire trucks can come, but then the utility mm-hmm. has to get involved. And someone who, like you said, is, I mean, somewhat familiar with this kind of technology so that they can make it safe, that they can cut power and, uh, you know, eliminate any opportunities for any more problems to happen. So uh, definitely an emergency situation, but I would think uh, that there are a lot of moving factors. So, utility would come, obviously, emergency responders. And then, what do you think? Tesla or any, I mean, this could happen to an go station. This could happen to Electrify America station, right? This is not specific to Tesla. This is just something that could happen, I guess. But what would be their next step, do you think, as the charge point operator in fixing this site or just, I mean, what would they do next?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, they've made the, the site safe by disconnecting power completely. Um, next, they would probably have an electrician, a contractor, an engineer, Um Maybe all three come out. They first have to inspect the site to see what the extent of the damage is because an event like that with that kind of incident energy is can be very damaging. And it's you'd almost be better off rebuilding a lot of the entire site rather than trying to repair things because you don't truly know the extent of the damage, especially when you have conductors in underground conduits. You don't know what happened in those unless you pull them all out, you don't even necessarily know if those conduits themselves have been damaged, because in most cases, you're using PVC schedule 40 conduit. And that in theory could melt underground with an arc flash like that if there was also an event underground that you're not even aware of. So it's hard to say exactly what would happen. But luckily, it was on the distribution side of the site. So it wasn't on the supercharger. So it's there's nothing really special about this. This could happen at a factory. It could happen at a warehouse of the power distribution. It could happen at a hospital. All of them are using similar cabinets like this for that AC distribution. It's just that uh, high-power DC fast charging requires so much power that you're using those same cabinets for a very small installation in, in terms of space, whereas that amount of power would normally be powering a warehouse that might be 100,000 square feet and having all sorts of machines running. It's just high power DC fast charging requires that much power.
1: Mm, I think that's a good point is like this wasn't directly linked to any sort of I mean besides the fact that it was an EV charging site but it's the fact that there's so much power on site and things can happen despite all the redundancy that you've mentioned, the fail safe, you know, protocols that mm-hmm. they've put into place this kind of stuff can happen, unfortunately. Uh, And again, we don't know the exact cause, but uh, I think you're adding a lot of good color to this to clear up just why on earth it could happen. And of course, yeah, will this site be back online? It sounds like the first step is a lot of diagnostics to see how bad the damage is and what kind of reparations need to be done. So I went on to PlugShare, of course, like I said, and I looked at the site and um, you can kind of see it here. And what you were saying was um, probably what we were looking at with the utility worker. It mm-hmm. was behind these bollards, right? Correct.
2: Yeah. So, so if you kind of you kind of have mm-hmm. to triangulate with a bunch of different photos because there aren't great mm-hmm. photos on PlugShare for this site, but you can see the bollards in some of them, and then you can see it in others and get the different angles and see what's going on. And I did want to mention I did confirm on the Tesla app that it is showing as a temporary closure, so the app status is correct, which is good. So great. no one's going that, to be there, and it looks like there's two other charges within like two miles. So that's
1: no one's great. Probably- yeah branded. That that is ideal. Yeah. Cause I was looking, I looked at, um, you know, there was another plug share site for the, the slower charging, which I will share now as well, which is not specifically the fast chargers, but there's two separate, um, listings. This is the J 1772. Um, and someone did note all chargers are out indefinitely, including superchargers. The white power boxes blew up and caught on fire. Glad I still have free charging at my office, LOL. Good luck to all the car swappers. So someone did post on Plugshare which I think is really great for this kind of, you know, mm-hmm. group effort to be able to uh, you know, um share this information, but it doesn't say, you know, this is out of service here. Um so yeah. definitely Plugshare should update and then of course the actual site that um I was showing just a second ago uh doesn't really seem to have anything either about the superchargers. So Tesla at least is up to date, but um, I wonder how quickly PlugShare will update. I'm pretty sure PlugShare is getting this dynamic data or static data. I don't know, uh, directly from Tesla. So. PlugShare doesn't have any
2: live data integration with Tesla, to my knowledge.
1: Oh, okay. So where
2: do you. I think, Mm. I think PlugShare and Tesla do have some sort of potential agreement just for static data, just Mm. because they're a listing service, but. To my knowledge, there's no live data being shared, or at least not because Tesla wouldn't I mean, want that data shared, really.
1: Yeah, I would think so that Tesla has an interest in keeping that d- data static, especially because they do build it in like, pretty seamlessly into their own system, into their own head unit within the Teslas to navigate you to them. You have the app. So if you're using PlugShare, I mean, maybe you're not driving a Tesla, but... Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, in the future with the C- more CCS cars being able to use, use the supercharger network, that makes me wonder how, I think they'll probably just share it directly with the automakers to incorporate into their head units than then plugshare. I don't know. What do you think as a just yeah, a side segue?
2: I think it highlights the importance of live status integration across all sorts of platforms, no matter the network. And for Tesla, it's probably fine because a Tesla driver's they're realistically probably not looking at PlugShare or they're looking at it in addition to their car or their Tesla app. So it's fine and the Tesla app shows it correctly. But for those non Tesla drivers that will soon be using Tesla stations, that data is very important because even with Tesla's very reliable network, they still do go down for things like this or for maintenance or whatever the case.
1: Exactly. This kind of stuff happens in information sharing. And we've seen just how essential it can be. Like, You do not want to show up at a charger and not be able to charge. Some people are showing up and this is their only option. But luckily, this is in San Jose, California. California is pretty inundated with EV charging options everywhere. But uh, it, it's it sucks to show up somewhere and think you're able to charge your EV and shop. This is a shopping center. So maybe you're going to run some errands and then not be able to do it. So I think you're right. It does highlight that dynamic data importance across all information sharing platforms. I mean, it seems like also with the lack of coverage, hopefully no one was hurt. Hopefully this was just like a spark and no humans were involved. It would be interesting to see. I mean, people were taking photos from the scene, seemingly from parked Tesla. So if there was any like sentry mode that went on or anything else, but um, so far it just seems like a bit of a freak accident. Luckily no one was harmed. Seems like they dealt with it very quickly. And then maybe we'll see kind of what that process goes like, how quickly the site would go up but again, not really sure. Interesting speculation. And I I thank you for also, you know, not everyone knows exactly how these sites are set up and maybe that like is a bit in the weeds, but I think it's interesting to be able to differentiate the different parts that make up a charging site because it's just kind of cool. It's like a little, you know, a body of webs making up that can finally lead to your EV being charged.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And I did want to just highlight there are actually safety training protocols for things like this to better understand this. Um, so there's FPA 70E. So that's for electrical safety specifically in commercial applications. Uh, so you can learn about arc flash and all sorts of other safety elements, lockout, tagout. Um, it, it's a full, like multi hour course. Uh, otherwise, there's also OSHA's 10 hour program that can. It's more broad, but also has some electrical elements and has some overlap with NFPA 70E. But those are pretty critical courses for anyone that wants to work in this space or may be working on equipment like this. Um, But I think it just highlights the need for redundancy, safety, and just being very mindful if you're near or touching or anything with high power.
1: Totally agree. This is, you know, it's, I love that you highlighted the trade work that goes into this and, you know, it's a new industry with new skill sets and uh, hopefully that's helpful for someone. I mean, I would be interested in taking that kind of class just for the general knowledge of what's going on. So maybe there's like a Coursera course out there that can teach me about it. But um, yeah, I think that's a really good aspect and obviously something that these chargers have a lot of electricity and power running through them. You're right. Typically it should be a seamless, safe, Barely even noticeable experience to charge your EV, and sometimes things like this happen. But it highlights the the extreme expertise that is involved in this as well, and probably the headache that this Tesla supercharger site is facing right now as it gets back on its feet. So, thank you, Brandon, for your expertise. I really appreciate it. I love having you on the podcast because you just have this yeah, I don't know, really nice technical perspective and can teach me things and our listeners things. So, hope you're Staying warm over there on the East Coast. I mean, seems yeah. like you have a trip to Detroit soon, so uh, stay warm.
2: Yeah, it's not too cold here in Charlotte, luckily, but we'll see. Um, hopefully, other people in the area, if they are seeing progress as they're rebuilding, getting the site back online, definitely tweet some photos and tag me in them. I'd love to see how they progress on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. You can see Brandon's handle here at Brandon Flash, but I'll also link him in the show notes. Thank you everyone for tuning into the Out of Spec Podcast. Let us know, like Brandon said, if you have any updates or any insight into this or have any questions that maybe we didn't ask during this podcast. We appreciate you watching. We appreciate you being involved in this community and we will see you next time on the next Out of Spec Podcast.